0: The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Hear the words of this covenant, and speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and say to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Cursed is the man who does not obey the word of this covenant, which I commanded your fathers, in the day I brought them out of the land of Egypt from the iron furnace, saying, Obey my voice, and do according to all that I command you. So shall you be my people, and I will be your God that I may establish the oath which I have sworn to your fathers, to give them a land flowing with milk and honey, as it is this day. And I answered and said, So be it, Lord. Then the Lord said to me, Proclaim all these words in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, saying, Hear the words of this covenant and do them. For I earnestly exhorted your fathers in the day I brought them up out of the land of Egypt until this day, and as an early and exhorting, saying, Obey my voice. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but everyone followed the dictates of his evil heart. Therefore I will bring upon them all the words of this covenant, which I have commanded them to do.
1: Basically, what's he telling the people to do here?
2: to
1: him. obey him. Obey him. Obey what? Of covenant obey the words of this covenant now think about jeremiah and his time period when he says you need to obey the words of this covenant I wonder what he means what very significant event occurred apparently early in jeremiah's prophesy
2: Was the covenant renewed in Josiah's reign?
1: Sort of, but what led up to the covenant being renewed? Finding. Mean, they the found law. it. Remember that? What was what was Josiah having done when they ran across a copy of the covenant?
2: Cleaning and
1: repairing the temple? Yes! And evidently they've not been spending a whole lot of time in the temple. And they'd not done a whole lot of housekeeping in the temple. And Jeremiah ordered and, and provided for a major temple renovation. You know, any building sometimes needs some repair and some maintenance. And uh, if it's my office, it needs a good bit of reorganization. Uh, and so that's what Jeremiah ha- uh, Josiah has done. Josiah was the king when Jeremiah first started prophesying. And shortly after he started was when, huh, in Josiah's day, they found in the temple, when they're working on repairing it, the book of the law. Now, if they found it in there, what does that imply? He didn't have it. They had lost it. Can you imagine? They had lost it. Think about what would happen if, uh, you know, we went to church now and then, but all the Christians had lost their copies of the Bible, and nobody had a copy of the Bible. You know, I mean, every once in a while we go to church and we do some things. But nobody has a Bible. You know, so we're just kind of going by memory. and You know, going by what we've been taught by parents. and You know, going by whatever we want. Can you imagine that? You've never actually seen a copy of the Bible. Really, you've never heard what the Bible actually said. And then, you run across one. Now, maybe, maybe it wasn't the whole Bible they lost. Maybe this is just a copy of the law or the covenant itself. That may be, in fact, a common thought. This is worth thinking about. There's some reasons why people say this that aren't very good, too. Maybe it was Deuteronomy. There are some things that are said that makes you think kind of like it was Deuteronomy. I don't know. But can you imagine? What if if we just lost our Bibles and, you know, a couple generations later they run across one and they start reading it. I wonder how we'd feel. Rather shocked? Rather worried. Oh no! You know, I think that's kind of the idea. So he says, you know, speak to him and say, you know, you gotta heed the words of this covenant. If you don't, you're in big trouble. You gotta do what the covenant says. That's what God demands. So I suspect Jeremiah taught this shortly after they found it and he said, now you've got to keep it. you got to do what he says or God's going to do to you the things that he threatened to do in this covenant. Comments or thoughts?
2: Kevin. Okay. put that at a different angle. Imagine if you're the one that found it. What are you going to do with it? You're going to go out and show it to people and tell them, well, we're, we're doing this wrong. This is how it really is. And today there's a lot of people out there who are led by the people they think are following the Bible, but they have no idea what the Bible even says, so they just follow the traditions. Well, we found the copy, and they don't know it, so we should go and want to show them what the copy is of the Bible.
1: Amen. It's a great statement. It's exactly what we need. Other thoughts? All right. Uh, 9 to 17.
2: Among the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, they have turned back to the iniquities of their forefathers who refused to hear my words. They have gone after other gods to serve them. The house of Israel and the house of Judah have broken my covenant that I made with their fathers. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I am bringing disaster upon them that they cannot escape. Though they cry to me, I will not listen to them. Then the cities of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem will go and cry to the gods to whom they make offerings, but they cannot save them in the time of their trouble. For your gods have become as many as the cities of Judah, and as many as the streets of Jerusalem are the altars you set up to shame, altars to make, offerings to Baal. Therefore do not pray for this people, or lift up a cry or prayer on on their behalf, for I will not listen when they call to me in the time of their trouble. What right has my beloved What right has my beloved in my house when she has done any vile deeds? Can even sacrificial flesh avert your youth? Can you Can even exalt? The Lord once told you a green olive tree, beautiful with good fruit, but with the roar of the great tempest he will set fire to it, and its branches will be consumed. The Lord of to who pray you and disaster against you, to, because the evil of the house of Israel and the
1: Now, when you think about the concept of the covenant, the covenant was like a treaty, like some kind of a pact. Now, if you've got a treaty, what happens if you break it? usually, usually there's a war. Yeah, there usually is, because you are bound by the terms of the treaty to follow what it says. It's almost like considered treason or rebellion to break the covenant. It's kind of like trying to overthrow the government or something. He says this conspiracy has been found. It's a conspiracy against the covenant agreement with God. Now they've turned back to their iniquities. They've gone after other gods. Notice near the end of verse 10 something very ominous. The house of Israel and the house of Judah have broken my covenant which I made with their fathers. <laughs> now think about that. What's rather unsettling about him saying, the house of Israel and the house of Judah have broken my covenant?
0: He's lumping them in, you, um,
1: Israel. Yeah, and what had happened to Israel?
2: <laughs>
1: they have been gone for a century already. They were taken into captivity. If Judah's doing the same thing Israel was doing then, guess what may happen to Judah? Yeah, you don't want to know. It's like saying, um, I don't know um, if we've got any, like, uh, a nation that's been wiped out or something. If you had a nation or a city that's been wiped out, and you say, yeah, you're just like they are. Well, that's bad. So, he's warning this conspiracy is going to cause the the disaster to come on them. Verse 11, they won't be able to escape. Even if they cry to me, I won't listen. They won't be able to get away from from the disaster. They won't listen to God. God's not going to listen to them. And what about their idols? Reckon their idols will listen to them? Those ears on those idols don't work very well. So, if God won't listen, the idols can't listen... Then what happens? You know, he says, go and cry to the gods that you burn incense to. See, see how that works. You know, isn't that, you know, I, 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 you don't want to serve a god that can't listen to you and can't deliver you. And that's exactly what they're like. And then he says something that really kind of uh, burns them. In verse 13, for your gods are as many as your cities. You've got as many gods as you have cities. It's kind of a religious promiscuity. You know, remember the first commandment? What, what is it? Shall
2: have no other gods before me.
1: And what are they doing? <laughs> I mean, they just write first dash out of the box, break the very first one. There you have it. They don't even listen to the first command. They don't wait until they get down to four or five before they start breaking them. You know, so he said, you got as many gods as you got cities. You're burning incense to Baal. So what does he tell Jeremiah not to do?
2: Don't
1: even try. Don't even try to. Pray for them. Don't even pray for them. Now, one of the roles of the prophets was to be an intercessor, was to pray for the people. Who were some prophets who were especially noted intercessors that prayed for their people? Who? Moses. Moses. Boy, he, he was a big one. How many times did he keep God from wiping them out? Can you think of another prophet who's uh, very big as an intercessor?
2: Jonah. They asked him to pray for them and work
1: for work. Oh, did they ask him to pray for them? I thought so. I don't think so.
2: Once they turned after, uh, after they had convinced the king, they said, pray for us. And once, once they had believed, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know that they ever told Jonah to pray for them. They did change and hope that God would relent. Uh, who knows, God may turn and relent. Um, how about Samuel? Samuel was a big intercessor and a great prophet. So, But God's saying to Jeremiah, don't cry for them. You know, I will not listen, so don't even pray for me. And he says, what right is my beloved in my house? I don't even want her in my house. She's forfeited that privilege. Psalm 15 is a five-verse psalm that talks about who has the right to be on God's holy hill. Who has the right to be in this house? And as a person who lives right, they have no right to be there. Do you think, that you're doing God a favor by attending church, God would say it's a privilege. You know, they would have a right to be in my house and offer sacrifices. They're like a green olive tree that's burning. You, know, you think about, you know, like having a, a, an olive tree hit by lightning and it just burns it up. That's what's happening to this nation that's wicked and unfaithful. God is Pronounced evil against you because of your wickedness. That—that's what's happening. Kind of a one-track uh, sermon here. You're wicked. You're going to be punished. How do you? What? You know? How do you suppose people look at Jeremiah?
2: You wouldn't be very popular.
1: Would we be popular today if we started saying these things to people around us? People would
0: think he
1: was crazy. Crazy and annoying. You know, who wants to hear you're all lost, you're getting kicked out of your land, God's angry with you, you know, you're wicked, you're doing the wrong thing, this is sinful. You know, if you start telling people that, they don't like it. You know, just how popular were the messengers of God throughout history? Not too much, right? I mean, isn't that true? So if we start teaching people the truth, how popular are we going to be? Probably not too much. How do you feel when you're not popular? Not too happy. We're gonna have to learn to deal with that. That's where Jeremiah's at, and that's what we're going into here, is, ah, uh, Jeremiah's been preaching the message, but now he's gotta deal with the consequences of how people are looking at him and treating him, and some of what he's feeling with all that. One of the great things about this book is, you really see into what's going on in his heart and his head and how it's feeling, and it's not fun. All right, any comments or questions through 17?
2: <laughs> I think it's true that, you know, if we speak the word, it's, it's annoying and people don't really like that. And so I think it says something about it, us if, you know, everyone just really loves listening to us and enjoys you know, our company and our sermons and our teachings and stuff.
1: That might not be a very good sign. Yeah. Usually, someone who preaches the truth for God is too uncomfortable to be overly popular. (laughs) Alright, 18 to 23. The Lord has given me knowledge of it, and I know it. Then you showed me of their doing. But I was like a lamb or an ox that is brought to the slaughter. I knew not that they devised devices against me, saying, Let us destroy the tree with the fruit thereof. Let us cut him off from the land of the living." that his name may not, that his name be no more remembered but O Lord of hosts, who judges righteously and who tries the reins of the heart, let me see thy vengeance on them unto thee have I revealed my cause. therefore thus saith the Lord of the men of Anathoth, that seek thy life saying prophesy not in the name of the Lord, and that that thou die not by our hand. therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, behold I will punish them. The young men shall die by the sword. Their sons and their daughters shall die by famine. There shall no be no more be a remnant of them. For I will bring evil upon the land of Anathoth, even the year of their visitation. Jeremiah did realize it. You ever had somebody trying to hurt you, like hurt you, you with other people, but you didn't realize it at first? You ever had an enemy, but you didn't even know at first that you were your enemy? Because a lot of times people say nice things to your face, and they're really mean to you behind your back. Apparently that's what's going on with Jeremiah. He did not realize that people were so against him. So he says in verse 18, the Lord made it known to me, and I knew it. Then you showed me their deeds. But I was like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter. I did not know that they devised plots against me Say, You know, Jeremiah you know, he's going along not realizing they're all against him and are plotting to kill him and the Lord has to tell him, Jeremiah, look here's what they're really saying and doing behind your back. Wow, how would that feel? Bad. Bad. Thank you. That's a rather general adjective but uh, that'll work. Maybe uh, disappointing, disheartening, discouraging. Wow. Look at what they're saying. Let us destroy the tree with its fruit. Who's the tree? Jeremiah. Jeremiah, what's the fruit? His
0: message.
1: His message, his hearers, his influence, his work. Let's cut him off from the land of the living. Uh, Where do you go if you're cut off from the land of the living? (laughs) yeah I think that's pretty well where that goes that his name be remembered no more man let's wipe him out so much not only that he dies but the very memory of him is obliterated let's let's just cut him out of the historical record that's what they want to do with Jeremiah they're so angry with him they want him just totally wiped out that's kind of sad who does Jeremiah turn to and says what
2: Mm. price for vengeance.
1: Punish them. Intervene. Do something. Therefore, thus says the Lord, verse 21, concerning the men of Anathoth who seek your life. He, we now know where the men who seek his life are from. Anathoth. do you think about Anathoth? It's wiped out of the history books. <laughs> no. Isn't that where Jeremiah from? Yeah! Back in chapter 1 was his hometown. That stinks. Even the people with his hometown, they're the ones plotting against him. You know, isn't that encouraging? You know, people he went to school with or whatever. Uh, they're seeking his life and they're saying, do not prophesy in the name of the Lord so that you will not die at our hand. They wanted him to shut up and not prophesy. Ever been any other times when uh, God's messengers were told that? Jesus. Jesus. And lots of prophets were told that at various times in various ways. People want the people who preach the truth just to be quiet. Don't bother our conscience. Don't make us feel bad. You know. And so they're they're ordering Jeremiah, either you shut up or we kill you. That's what they're saying. Therefore, thus says the Lord, I'm about to punish you. I'm not even going to leave a remnant to them. Now, there were some men from Anathoth that returned in Ezra 2.23 from Babylonian captivity. Maybe these from Anathoth that returned weren't the same people that were perpetrating the plot. I don't know. But God is promising vengeance and punishment against these men of Anathoth. But imagine you're Jeremiah. And you're going along preaching the message of God. And suddenly God says, listen, Jeremiah, I need to have a talk with you. You didn't really realize it. but they're out to kill you? It's actually the people of your hometown that have made a plot against you? Whoa. That would not be fun to know about. Comments and questions?
2: Does Jeremiah end up having a family, like that line of people coming in Ezra could be fun? Or do we know?
1: Uh, he was told not to marry. Mm-hmm. Jeremiah 16. Yes. I, I admire his loyalty
0: to God because even though like he's around so many wicked people, he's still with God. That I mean, shows that you know we need to strengthen our faith. So if we're in a time where it's like everybody is listed, you know, not living for God, then we should still be loyal to God, not.
1: Yeah. Good point. Good point. It's exactly right. I mean, <laughs> Jeremiah is actually going to get a little upset from time to <laughs> time. And he's going to tell us about that. But he does still serve the Lord. A couple moments where he's kind of a little squabbly. <laughs> but who wouldn't have been?
2: <laughs>
1: Other thoughts? Yeah, I can. Verse
2: 23. What does the year of their punishment mean? He's going he's gonna,
1: to, you know kind of like saying, this is the hour of their
2: punishment. You know, mm-hmm. This is the time when he's going to bring them down. As in that year that he's speaking it, or in that year that he's talking about of this destruction?
1: I don't know that he's saying which year, but he's going to bring upon them the year of their punishment. Other thoughts? Chapter 12, verses 1 to 4.